I thought we had made this rule on a prior episode. We made it very clear. You don't come on this podcast firstly looking better than us. No. And two, with a chain more expensive than what we have. Show your chain. Pull your chain out. Pull that chain out. This is unbelievable. This is what NIL does. This is what NIL does. Question for Theo and Jerry. Are there any former Penn State tight ends that you've looked up to in your career? You want to start it off? You want to start it off? You got it. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I'll say Pat, honestly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Big news coming out of the Lions Den podcast. We officially have our own merch that we're getting ready to put out. Make sure to go cop yours. Link is in the description below. These proceeds help us produce this podcast, bring on A-list guests, and these proceeds also help Penn State NIL as a whole. Go get yours and tag us on social media. We'll give you a shout-out on the pod. Looking forward to seeing you wearing the Lion's Den merch exclusively. First of all, before we get started, want to give a huge <laughs> shout-out to everybody that came out today. This idea started a couple months ago when Adam Brenneman slid in my DMs and asked if I was doing another <laughs> podcast. And the next thing you know, here we are at Chance in front of this wonderful crowd. Theo, Caden, how are we doing today? Don't get nervous. Yeah, yeah. Who's gonna first? Yeah, I'm good. I'm a little nervous. There's a lot of people here, but I'm good. I'm good, man. We excited to be here. Glad that y'all can make it out. Hopefully, we got a good show for y'all. Uh, I want to start with you, Caden. Um, you know. As a younger guy, a guy from Ohio, you know, I think it's always important to have the young players explain to the fans the journey, the process that it takes to get to Penn State. And then from there, I want you to take us through a little bit of what your first couple of years have been like in the program developmentally and what some of the challenges were that you've had to overcome. Yeah. So for me, it was a little bit different. In high school, my teacher was actually like they had he had a relationship <clears throat> with Coach Terry. Mm. So. That's really how I got put on here. So Coach Terry got me in contact with him. And then I came on to visit my freshman year. Coach Franco offered me. So I was I was getting offers pretty pretty young in high school. But yeah, just coming here, I struggled at first. Um, came in out of shape, losing all the winter workout drills. So you were you early enrolled? Yeah, I early enrolled, graduated early. Um, Jerry did too, so we got pretty close pretty quick. But yeah, just losing all the drills, it was hard. And then being away from home for the first time, getting a little homesick. But yeah. I, I think that's an interesting part portion of coming into college football. Typically, regardless of who you are, there are some guys I can remember who were outliers. A guy like Micah Parsons came in early enrolled and did not lose until he left Penn State football. That is not the reality for 99% of the people that come in. Nah, so right. talk to me. Obviously, a successful high school player, you really can do what you want when you're a power five football player at the high school level. What was it like going to Penn State and having to humble yourself, lose, and then come back and get better every day? Yeah, um, me being a smaller receiver, I knew it was going to be way different coming to a Big Ten program. So really, it was just the, the speed in the game and the strength of everybody else high school even though I was smaller I was still bigger than 90% of the people I played so um yeah just getting getting with coach Al getting all the lifts in extra lifts on top of that um it, it's been good just adjusting to everything 
and you talk about, you know, you were bigger than a lot of players you played against. Do you think that says a lot about Ohio football? <laughs> don't and, start. And follow-up You know, we talk about Ohio football. Does Aeneas Hawkins' name bring any type of rank or status <laughs> when it talks about the high school grades that are coming out of Ohio? Does that, are, you, are you familiar with him at all? Uh, nah, I never heard of him. High <laughs> school, I never heard uh, his name, but, I mean, Ohio's a pretty big state. Mm-hmm. There's multiple divisions. So I don't think it has anything to do with Ohio football. Uh, Ohio uh, Division One is actually one of the best that has the best competition if you look uh, it up. So. Well, you know, Caden, as an Ohio guy, I was hoping nah. you would say you at least had some type of idea of who I was in high school. I'm not, I'm not a liar. It's okay, though, because when we played Caden's high school, when I was in school, we won by 72 points in the wow. playoffs. So is that, is that I'm real? not is sure that what the young man's talking about. And back to you. And back to you. Okay, I'm not sure what the sneakness with Ohio football is because we had the winning record in the Big 33 as well all time against Pennsylvania. So I'm not sure what this conversation is. Look, I'll just address this right now. How old are you? I'm 23 years old. Okay, we're talking about beating him in high school. He was a dagger <laughs> when you were playing. Right, we're not addressing that. We're not addressing that. Ohio doesn't play Pennsylvania in the Big 33 because we needed better competition. He went to Maryland. Can't play Ohio anymore. That was a business decision on Pennsylvania's end to develop our guys and get them ready to play in college. Theo Johnson, <laughs> your journey has been different. We had you on the show earlier, but for those in the audience who don't know your backstory and know a little bit about what you come from, being an international student, talk to us a little bit about your journey coming in. Yeah, I think uh, my, I have a very unique journey uh, just because obviously I come from Canada, um, so the game's different. Canadian football is a very different game than American football, so I had a big transition coming in, not only learning um, a new position, but also having to learn a new offense. Um, and just acclimate to college life as well. So, um, you know, I came in here and I tried to learn right away. I had Pat Fry moved above me. So, you know, I looked to him a lot to, to learn things and try and be a sponge to everything. So it was a big transition, but I think that, you know, if you have a lot of uh, a good support system around you and people that, that care for you, you know, you can get it done. Definitely. You How, talk, what would you there. say, like, is the biggest difference from Canadian football to American football. We talk, we joke about this a lot in the tight end room. So just elaborate to tell everybody. Like, yeah, everyone, what's the big everyone. Whenever I, I'll, I'll make a mistake or or, or say something that's kind of off, you know, people be like, "Yeah, in, in the United States, we do things this way." So I don't know what y'all doing in Canada. This isn't the CFL. Yeah, everyone likes to say that, but I think the biggest thing for me is like in Canada, you can motion from like 20 yards in the backfield up to a line of scrimmage. So in high school, I like play slot and I would run. Like, I get a 15-yard head start, <laughs> and I'm, I'm at full speed by the time the ball snaps. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest difference. Like, you have to be set in American football. And then the other thing is we have, like, 20-yard end zones. Um, so you can run a post route from the two-yard line, uh, which – Those poor DBs in Canada have no yeah, shot. You can't really do that uh, in the United States. So I think those are probably the two, two biggest things that had to transition. So I guess my first question off of that is, at what point in your recruitment journey did you start getting ready to transition to American football, and how tough was that? I think, um, so once I knew, like, football is my thing and that's what I was going to start to do, I started playing seven-on-seven seven a lot in the States. Um, so where I live, I live probably, like, 20-minute drive to Detroit. So um, I played seven-on-seven seven with a lot of our, some of our current guys on the team who hail from Detroit. Uh, Killing King, Kobe King, uh, Jalen Reed, those guys, I played them seven on seven. I think that helped me kind of get ready for the transition, get ready for the rules and uh, the small end zones and stuff like that. Um, And I think the big thing was just getting here and making sure that 
Um, I was ready to be an inline tight end, be able to block, and that, that's something I put a lot of emphasis on once I got in here. And Caden, back to you. So we talked about his adjustment coming from Canada to America and that type of style of football. Now, high school to the Big Ten, that's no easy switch. So what were the hardest adjustments you would have made playing in the Big Ten now? Blocking linebackers <laughs> like Kobe King, Tyler Elson, Dom DeLuca, my probably the hardest guy to block on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one practice, uh, Kobe was the running back motion. Kobe followed him because it was man, and I had a push crack. He just ran me over. I felt hopeless. He just ran me over. But yeah, it was. It's probably just blocking in general. What you say is your most embarrassing moment? My most embarrassing moment. Yeah, like over spring bowl we first got here to our recent most recent fall camp. Probably that moment right there, getting ran over getting by ran Kobe. Over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just getting ran over. Everybody has one of those moments in college football. I I think I was your moment, welcome to college football moment, when you got in. No, he actually was um, my, my welcoming to college football in terms of, like, I felt like I was ready to play here. You, you know, felt at home. Yeah, when I came into Penn State, you know, I'm, I'm scared. I'm like, man, how am I going to be able to block these guys that are here? These guys are huge. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I need to get stronger. And then they give you Aeneas Hawkins as a rep to open it up. And you're like, you know what? I feel good here. You know what I mean? It's like walking into somebody's house and using their bathroom and really yeah. getting acquainted with the estate and understanding. It felt good. And, you, and that's why I appreciate Hawk so much. And I look at him. It, no, I mean, because here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If I start tweeting clips, you know what I'm saying, that I'm the bad guy. A guy like Nick Dawkins, these lights come on, these cameras get to recording, and he'll say anything to anybody to win the argument. Uh-huh. I'm going to leave that where it is. <laughs> I want <laughs> you can't take that disrespect. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to let Nick Dawkins have his moment and shine. I do want to transition a little bit, though. Obviously, off to a hot start this year, 63 nothing against UMass. It's no secret what's coming this week. Uh, people have had it pinned on their calendars since last year. Um, going into Columbus, what is it going to take for Penn State to take that next step and get over the hump and find a way to beat the Buckeyes? Yeah, I think the big thing is I feel like we've been doing all the right things this year uh, with just how our approach has been. And, you know, I've been really impressed with how our team's been able to prepare week in and week out. You know, sometimes we'll kind of ride a a high and we'll have a lot of juice. And sometimes that only lasts a practice or two. And we've been kind of riding this high for a couple weeks where every single practice, there's a lot of juice, a lot of energy. uh, And everyone's kind of bringing it every practice. And I think that's something that I haven't haven't seen in, in any of the teams I've been a part of is, you know, we're practicing our tails off right now. So I think the big thing is, is just, you know, not getting out of the framework of what we've been doing, trusting, trusting the scheme, t- trusting the process. Uh, you know, Coach Franklin said earlier this week, you know, a lot of the times we've gotten in trouble in games like this is we kind of get out of the framework and try and do too much. So mm-hmm. yep. I think, you know, we're all super confident. Um, you know, we've shown we can do it. We're, we're confident in the matchups that we have this week. It's just a matter of just getting the job done once, we, once we're there on Saturday. One thing that I've noticed is so apparent with this team, and you alluded to it, we've had teams in the past, you know, we get to these big moments, these big games, or even coming off of a bye week, you see Penn State football start slow, or maybe they play a bad half of football against a good team, and you can't make those mistakes. But you talk about practices at this point in the season being as good as they've ever been and continuing to get better week in and week out. Caden, I'm going to ask you, do you feel like the culture at Penn State football is at its highest level? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Coach Franklin talks about it every day. Um, everybody's really bought into what he's saying and really pushing each other every day. So the culture, is, I think, is probably the best that's ever been here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, this is the best we practice, truthfully. Mm-hmm. No, and, like, sure. you know, we go back. Every year we improve. Like, no matter how you look at it or frame it, every year we improve. The guys are developing and everything. But, 
man, we're practicing at another level right now. And not just that, I think um, in the locker room and just on the team, we know it's different. Yeah. We know we have a different team this year, the mentality. I don't think the mentality's changed, but we've only just built on it. And I think guys understand what it's we're capable fun. of. Uh, for sure. Yeah. We can even talk about the D squad too. Like the D squads are even looking different. Just from a whole like perspective of our practice, we come in, like we really work, we like we're not playing. So I feel like this like this year is really special. Like, and I, I think mm-hmm. we can really do it this year. Yeah, I was, just, I was just talking to tight ends. Um, you know, we are watching one of my uh, – the touchdown, the first touchdown I scored this week. We had that look in practice exactly how it was in the game. Mm-hmm. And once the game came, I'm like, this is exactly like practice. Um, so I think that's a testament to the D-Squad and all the coaches that are kind of preparing those guys. Like, you know, they're doing a great job, and it makes the game so much easier when you know exactly what's coming and how it's going to look. People – I mean, nobody wants to be on the scout team. Nobody came to Penn State to be on the scout team. But when you look at the scout team, you look at guys like Zane Durant who started there, or even Odafe Owe in my class, when there's guys that are legitimately going to go play in the NFL afterwards and they're on your look team on a Tuesday or Wednesday, to me what that creates is a culture and an environment where your best players have to still compete day in and day out, and that's really the only way to get better. And we refer to D-Squad, for those who don't know, D-Squad is development squad. So that's like, you know, like practice squad, scout team and everything like that. But, man, some of the best players here have had their roles on the D-Squad, and I think that just builds a humbly up. I mean, you have a great understanding for how much and how, hard, how much hard work it takes to play here. I know my first year, me and Olu uh, were on the, on the D-Squad, and we're, we're going against the best, and that's how, you get, that's how you become the best. Like, I know now, you know, we go through practice, and some guys are just going, like, KV on keys right now, he's flashing. Like, he's doing crazy stuff on the field, and you're like, yo, in a year or two, this guy's going to be a problem. And it's cool to see guys develop like that from a young age. I mean, that's crazy. Olu Fashnu. I'll bet the house right now is not getting out of the top three picks in next year's 2024 NFL draft. And he was on the scout team this freshman year. That kind of speaks to the depth and the quality of player that's at Penn State right now. I want to shift the focus again. I'm in the media now. I'm not in the locker room. I get on Twitter and I see people ask questions about explosiveness on offense. And one thing I've always said is there's complimentary football being played here at a high, high level. The offense is taking care of the football. You're converting into points when you get in the red zone. When you hear the conversation around explosiveness, can you give a little bit more context as to why you guys still deem yourselves a successful group? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a page out of Tyler Warren's book because uh, he said this in an interview earlier, and I thought it was really great. Um, you know, I don't really care if we score in 12 plays or, or if we score in two plays or 12 plays, as long as there's six points. So at the end of the day, like, we're getting in the end zone. We're, we're yep. grinding out the clock. We're controlling the game. I think that's what's most important. Um, if we're if we're not getting explosive plays and we're struggling on offense, I think that's another thing. But you know we're getting the job done. We're we're very dominant up front. So I, I don't think it's as big of an uh, issue as people might uh, deem it to be. But in the day, well, that's something we're continuing to work on. It's an emphasis for everybody. Um, but I don't think it's as detrimental as people might uh, make it seem right now. And the flip side of it, as the only defensive player up here, is that when you do take a drive and you take it 10, 12 plays at a time, everybody knows about the talent that's on that defense. Mm-hmm. And that talent is only emphasized even more when they're well-rested mm-hmm. and they're able to rotate guys and they're able to stay fresh for four quarters of football. Yep. I want to flip real quick. We got a great audience out here. There's a great opportunity here to ask a bunch of current players about their experience at Penn State football this season. Any questions out there so far? Yes, sir. Hey, uh, I have a question for you. Hey, what's up? 
<laughs> so, okay, this is a good point. I appreciate you bringing this up because I would have forgot about it. So, for those who don't know, I'm a Waffle Shop alumni. I'm a Waffle Shop veteran. They know who I am in there. It's, it's quite evident. So, but downtown Waffle Shop, that is not my location. I don't know if my enemies understood. They, they, they got wind of where I'm at and they tried to make do something about it. But that's not where I'm at. You missed. You can't, you can't, nah, that's the wrong place. You missed, that's not where I was at. Don't try any other attempts or there'll be retaliation. <laughs> but nah, it, nah, for real, I mean, it's sad to see like a business like that, but I mean, they're recovered, so Waffle Shop is iconic. Um, but I'm not gonna say where I normally go because now I'm a little scared because <laughs> they did something about it, but. <laughs> I didn't realize how much juice Nick Dawkins had in the Waffle Shop. I've been coming into State College. I don't live here anymore. I wake up, I get off his couch, I go upstairs, and he got back from the shop, and he has 13 giant-sized cinnamon rolls that the Waffle Shop had given him for free. I'm like, man, you got the juice. That's how I know. Any other questions so far? Yes, sir. You guys read all the negative press that you're not throwing the ball far enough and all this stuff. I get so sick and tired after the game. Katie, you want to take that? Every team you play knows that Pinkerton and Payton are the uh, yeah, we, we try not to look at any of that stuff. Coach Franklin, Coach Yersich tells us not to read into any of it because only the opinions of the people in the building really matter. So, yeah, as, as long as we're winning the game, that doesn't really phase us. Like Theo said, we do what we got to do on offense. We put points on the board, so it doesn't really phase us at all. Yeah, I'll pose that back to the group because <laughs> negative press, negative comments on social media are a very legitimate, real part of being a big-time football player in 2023. So, Jerry, I'll start with you, and then we can go around the room. When you guys get that negativity, when people are telling you about yourselves, how do you handle that adversity? I just look at how, how Elson talked about it last episode, just, just turning off all your social media just not feeding into that negative effect because like most that's something that most athletes struggle with whether it's football basketball soccer all that so for me like me personally i just won't go on twitter or i just try to avoid just like looking at that just because i know how it can affect me and my performance so i just try not to look at that yeah i think um you know that negative press looking at stuff on twitter um you know you like to think that you can you know overlook some of that stuff but just being a human being, like, that stuff really gets you. Um, so you got to really do your best not to look at that stuff. Like, I had just read something about me before last game, and, you know, it kind of was in my head a little bit. And I think it probably helped me have a better game this last game, but it kind of made me reevaluate, you know, my social media plan. And, and now I'm, like, deleting Twitter and only going to be on Instagram just to post stuff here and there. But, um, you know, it's, it, it can turn into a big issue if you allow it to be. So I think that the big thing is just kind of stay off of it. But... I think a lot of people don't realize like how, you know, you just send off a tweet when you're emotional during a game or something and how that can affect a college kid. Like I'm playing this game and on Monday I have to go take an exam. And, and I, I, was, I took an exam in the hotel on Friday and the next day I got to play a football game. Like I'm, I'm a college kid. Right. And I think some people just kind of forget that when, when they're watching the game and, and kind of seeing us like that. And man, it's not even just us, it's uh, our families as well. Like, yeah. my, mom is, my mom is a keyboard warrior to defend me. Like, it's kind of, it's like keyboard, sure. Shout out Ms. Dawkins, by the way. Shout out my mom. 
But um, like people aren't even really saying like bad things, but like my mom's out there defending defending Penn State football, the core values to the core. And like, you know, I'm like, I'm texting her like, yo, delete that. Like, I don't, even, I don't want you to start a war with fighting battles right now. Um, but just the toll, I mean, it's hard. When, you, when you're when you on social media, you're on Google or something like that, not even looking for it, and an article pops up with your name on it, I'm going to want to read it. Like, I want to see what they're saying about me. So when it's when now I'm trying to stay away from it and it pops up more, and, and honestly, the more productivity you have, the more your name's out there, the more articles, and then maybe there's a drop-off in productivity. Now even more articles are being written, like, where is he at? I mean, it does take it so long on you. It's hard to read negative stuff, like I said before, because we're probably some of the most critical people on ourselves. Everything I do, I'm trying to think about how can I improve it, whether that be on the football field or whether that just be in life. So now I have that added pressure on myself and go on social media and, you know, someone's like, yo, you suck. I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I do <laughs> suck a little bit now. Like, <laughs> so it's just little things like that. I got an anecdotal story. So last season was my first year not playing football. I started a business with Sean Clifford. So I'm logged into Sean's Instagram. Like I'm DMing recruits that we want in the company. And you guys are getting real quiet because you know where I'm going with this. Sean Clifford's playing Purdue. This is what everybody wanted Sean's head. Sean literally, I, I mean, I, I cannot exaggerate this. He threw one incompletion. One incompletion to start the game. I turned my phone over. At least 26 notifications, DMs. That's threatening them. I'm like, crazy. what is going on? I mean, it's completely irrational. Nobody wants to do better than the people on the field who are pouring their heart and souls into being the best athletes they can be. It's just, it's a little bit ridiculous if you ask me. I feel like most people don't realize, like, the emotional effect that this game can have on you, especially when you, you like, you're doing this every day. Like, this is our life. So, like, when you playing ball and you hearing all those negative comments, that, that's, just added, that's just added, like, stress to what you, you know, to your mind. So, I feel like, it's just hard to balance that when it, you know, it's a lot. Like, especially Sean, he's strong for being able to handle all that. Yeah, shout out Sean, man. And then to go win a Rose Bowl after that too, man. Yeah. And that legacy how he wanted to. I, I want to ask, obviously, the gauntlet of the season is coming up, man. Not just O-State, Maryland, the Michigans, the rest of the Big Ten that you got to face. How are you guys staying dialed in throughout that process? And what does a typical week look like for you guys in preparation? Um, just really taking it one day at a time. Uh, as for the week, Mondays, all the position groups get together on their own and watch film. So that's what we did today. The tight ends, receivers, QBs got together. I'm sure the O-line got together. Um, so, yeah, we, we watch film on Mondays, Tuesdays, our, our work days, yep. our full pads, uh, com compete every every period. Wednesdays, also work days. But um, really just just going through every day, working like – you're preparing for for the Super Bowl. Um, then Thursday and Fridays are really mental days. Then away games. Friday we head on the plane, go to the hotel and stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a typical week. Yeah. yeah, I think the big thing is you know Coach Franklin talks a lot about the one and zero mentality. And being a young guy that came in, I didn't really kind of understand that. Um, but I think the older I get, uh, the more I realize how important that is because. You know, when, when you're not doing so good, it's important. When you're doing good, it's important. You know, we're on a winning streak right now. It's very easy to look ahead and think, you know, if we keep on winning, we're going to do this and that and all this. You got to go one week at a time, one, one game at a time, one practice at a time, one, one play at a time. Um, and I think that's, that's really important. And I think that's something that, you know, through our whole program, that's, that's a big focus. Like, I, I was just talking with uh, my friend Liam Clipper today, and I'm like, I couldn't tell you who we play next week. No. Like, I actually have no clue who we play because, like, we are so focused on this game, tomorrow's practice. Um, and I think that's a big key to, 
to not let this gauntlet, as you mentioned, you know, get to you or, or think about what we got coming down the road. The most important thing is being Ohio State this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doc, I'll, I'll send this your way, but I, I think it's a point that deserves to be made. Coach Franklin, if he has one overarching strength, is his ability to get guys to be consistent yeah. and to instill a literal day-by-day process to success, and he gets guys to buy into it. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, I mean, I think his consistency is easy for him to get people consistent in a program because he himself is so consistent. Mm-hmm. You can't catch, like we said before, you can't catch Coach Franklin slipping, mm-hmm. ever. This guy is always on point with everything he's saying. He's consistent. He's re- relaying the same messages. It gets to the point where, like, he says, the best know what I'm about to say, and we can finish, like, 95% of his yeah. statements because he's so adamant about the process and so adamant about, you know, what, we, what it takes to win. And I think, in, to your uh, prior point about, you know, being, being able to maintain that one and all mentality, I mean, it's working. We're one and all every week. We've been one and all every week. So when you, you have a formula that's working, why would you deviate from what's, what's not? Why would you try to change and alter things? So that's what I'm excited about, you know, for this game and then just for this team is because guys are remaining in the framework and understanding that you just have to do your job, your 111th on the field, and we'll secure a win. I, I want to ask this, and we'll go back to the fans for some more questions, but on the outside looking in, there's no question about the magnitude of the game that Penn State football is going into. But with Coach Franklin and his process and this 1-0 mentality, do you feel like for the most part you're able to just stick in your routine and not let the moment get too big? I say, I say honestly, yes, because we've been, like, like I said, the 1-0 mentality, we've been focusing on just the team that we have that current week. And right now we're focusing on Ohio State. And, like, I know for a fact this week, this is, everybody knows it's a big game, it's a serious game, so – it's just even adding more intentionality and just more consistency and just, just being more detailed in what we're doing. So I feel like it's, it's just taking little steps to build us to Friday to prepare us by Saturday. We'll be ready. Let's go back to the audience here. What questions do we have for the group here? Okay. Hey, guys. Zach Seiko. Hi, guys. Zach Seiko, man. Let's go. Guys. What do you think about Fox taking all the primetime caliber games, Ohio State and Michigan, and putting them in a like this? Ooh. Look at this. Look at yeah, go this ahead. Quick. Go ahead, dog. I'll be honest. I don't know how y'all feel about noon games, but most of us like them because we get the rest of the day after the game. <laughs> I know you want to see us at night. I know, you know, the lights, the fireworks is awesome. But I want to hug my mom after the game. It's like <laughs> when I, we play a 7, a 7 p.m. game. It's 1 a.m. And then you got to go practice tomorrow. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I like the noon games. But truth be told, I don't think we really care. Because at the end of the day, it's just a, like it's a game. We're about to go play the game. So timing, I mean, cool. Whiteout's cool. All that. But it's when you get in, in, on the field and you're in between the hashes, it doesn't matter what time of day it is, what, what the weather is. You just want to go inflict pain on someone. I, before we get to the next question, that's a great question, Zach. I don't want to gloss over what you just said, dog. Getting done with the football game at 1 a.m., Okay, the first thought is, oh, can I go have fun with my friends in time? No, you can't. You're going to get there for 10 minutes. You're going to go to sleep. You're going to wake up. And Sundays, at Penn State football, I don't know how it is at every other program, you get into the building at like 3 o'clock when we were playing, and you're not out of there until like 8.30. You are grinding all day. Sunday is a work day. So, yes, the noon games are my, my pick too, Zach. You said there were two over here? Um, 
Yeah, we'll do, um, so big games like this, we'll do extra crowd noise when we kind of are anticipating, um, you know, there being a little extra noise in the game. I think just week in and week out, we prepare for each opponent differently based on what we're going to get. Um, but I think stuff like crowd noise and, and different things to, you know, make it as, as game, uh, all the reps as, as game reps as possible, as close to game reps as possible. So, um, yeah, there'll definitely be extra crowd noise in almost every period, at least for offense this week. Any other questions so far? Other question for Theo and Jerry. Are there any former Penn State tight ends <laughs> that you've looked up to in your career? You want to start it off? You want to start it off? You got it. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I'll say Pat, honestly. <laughs> I'll say Pat. What did you mean? Um, I'll say uh, probably Brenton. Um, just cause, you know, he was a guy that I was with when I first got here, you know, we, we worked hard together. I was like my brother. Um, so it's really cool to see what he's doing now in the NFL and, and hopefully be able to be on the same field him at some point again. Brent scored his first touchdown this week too. That was fun to watch. Fun to watch. I, I do want to ask, I'm a defensive guy. I got to, and at first I was kind of leaning. I was a little careful about when I would say this and, you know, I wanted to see more, but that Penn state defense, <laughs> up front at the linebacker position of the secondary with guys like Kalen King. It's a talented, talented group. You guys are seeing them every day. My question to anybody up here who wants to take it is, what is it about that group that makes them so special? Uh, for me, with the, like, the D-line, like, they all, it felt like they have fun. They have, like, they have fun. That's the biggest thing. Like, we could be in the facility. They always, they're the loudest ones in the facility, whether we in meetings. I hear them, we be in our meetings. I hear them across the hall. Practice, they get out there, we inside run, they all laughing and screaming and having fun. So I feel like with the defense, that's their biggest thing. They just have fun and they enjoy what they do. And they play with a, a carefree and like like fly around mentality. Shout out to Zane right there and Devon, you know. But yeah, that's what I think about the defense. Doc, I want to ask you, uh, you talk about a guy like Devon Elise, uh, right? A guy that I have taken a lot of pride in, in being able to mentor and be around through the young stages <laughs> of his career. How have you seen Devon? continues to develop with time. Yeah, you know, when your mentor is Hawk, you have a lot of growing to do. And, you know, he overcame you as a mentor to become a great D-tackle. You can overcome and, anything. <laughs> and, you know, Devon, beyond just football, I mean, Devon's a figure in the community. Devon is one of the most well-spoken guys on the team. Um, and, you know, his character is, is just one of the best on the team. But as a football player, I mean, you can't help. I mean, he's a, he's an explosive, strong guy. Um, and he makes guys around him better. You know, when he plays, you can tell he's on the field because guys are playing differently. I, I want to switch gears real quick because you said something really important right there. Devon being a guy who's highly uh, involved in the community. You're a guy that's highly involved in the community. We'll start with you and then come to the group. But NIL is here. And NIL is not going anywhere and it's going to continue to grow and evolve. Doc, when you look at NIL and the opportunities it presents, what do you think is most important that young student athletes are capitalizing on? Yeah, I mean, so everyone gets caught up in NIL with the, um, you know, the funds of it. I mean, it's important. Make your money while you can. But what's the first letter in NIL? Your name. And what is your name? Your legacy. So how are you going to leave a better last name than you were left? So that's kind of how I approach NIL. So I do a lot of stuff NIL with my foundation, the Dolphins Family Foundation. We just did an event, the YMCA, before this event here. Um, and it's just important to me that, you know, my family has a good legacy. So I do what I can in the community, whether it be State College, whether it be Island Time, whether it be Orlando, Florida, 
um, to try to do my part, to use my resources that I, and the platform I was given with Penn State football and the Big Ten um, to give back, because I know the community picked me up when I was down. Theo, I want to ask you as an international student, uh, they have recently made some adjustments here and there around that to make it easier for international kids to do NIL, but what has your experience in that space been? Um, so I haven't really been able to do much until recently, um, this July. I just got my American citizenship. Um, so because of that, I've been able to do more. Um, in yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty big deal for me. Um, so since I've gotten that, I've been able to get a little bit more involved. And now kind of in the season, I'm uh, bringing things back a little bit, just kind of focus on the season. But I think it's it's really important just to be able to interact with brands and, and, and do things that kind of promote, not only promote your brand, but uh, kind of tell people a little bit more about you. Because the brands that you interact with, um, that's essentially a part, of, a part of your character and shows what you value and, and what you want to uh, invest in. So I think... You know, I've been very grateful that I've been able to interact with the, the few uh, brands and things that I have been recently, and I'm looking forward to kind of growing in that space as well. And um, before we go to Jerry and Caden, um, NIL, let's talk about your hoodies. Was this a planned effort? Like, what's going on? Is this, was this NIL usage? No, nah, I, I want to say it's planned. It's just a real popular hoodie. You know, people like it. I thought we had made this rule on a prior episode. We made it very clear. You don't come on this podcast firstly looking better than us. No. And two, with a chain more expensive than what we have. Show your chain. This is what NIL does. This is what NIL does, right? Don't clap for these guys. Is that Vaughn talking about there? There's people on the team with Vaughn. Is that you? Vaughn has two Cuban links on. No, but like, seriously, I think it's a good point because, you know, not to get too serious here, but you look at NFL guys, historically, they retire three years later, 80% of them are broke, divorced, and depressed. To me, when I look at that, there's some type of education gap. There's some type of preparation that's not happening for guys where they're not ready to take their own brands, their own finances, take them on, grow them, and then keep it in the family, which is important, especially when you look at the grand scope of where a lot of these guys come from and their backgrounds and their history. So I'll ask you guys as young players, do you feel like with NIL, you've learned a lot about your own brands and your finances and things like that that matter? Uh, yeah, I would say for sure. After I got this shame, my mom was actually like real <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> every every time we get paid now, she she takes all well not all my money, but she takes most of my money and puts it into a separate account that I can't even see. So it's just it's As just sitting should. there. Yeah, I thank her for that now. But I, and I do regret buying the shame because Coach Franklin makes it a big deal that we need to save our money because he doesn't think we know how hard it is to actually make a dollar, but. Um, yeah, NIL's taught taught us a lot about saving our money and spending it on the right stuff. Yeah, I'd say for me, like, I do like to buy like clothes. Everybody know I like clothes and shoes and all that, but like, I feel like I got better at saving my money. I have multiple savings account, and for me, like, I have a I got my own brand, so like most of the money I do make, I kind of tie it back into that to make more money. So I just trying to try to use NIL as my advantage. And to your point, I feel like. A lot of the time when you want something bad, 
once you finally get the funds to get it, you kind of don't want it as bad now. Yeah. That's kind of how I am now. Like, I wanted stuff. I put stuff on, like, Amazon wish list. I was one of them guys back in the day that would, on, like, Foot Locker, add stuff to my cart and just leave it there. I was never going to buy it. Didn't even have a credit card or any money. I but still I would, do that. I, I still do that to this day. <laughs> but for real, like, now that, like, I have the opportunity to, um, you know, get stuff like that, I'm kind of realizing how foolish it is to spending spend the money that, like, we're receiving right now on something that's not going to benefit me in a couple of years. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Cause once, I feel like once you get it, you just realize, oh, you said it's all right. Back to the audience here. Ohio State week. You guys have no questions. Nothing to ask these guys. Yeah, they go yeah, into a big game. Who's one guy in a skill position that you would want to see score a touchdown? Ooh. Not a skill position want to see score a touchdown? That's a great mm. question. Golden Achumba. Oh, oh, what? <laughs> Golden Achumba. 300 and I'm not gonna put his weight out there. He's a huge, look him up. All right, he's a he's a humongous guy. Put him put him in that put him in that straight tee, bro. Put him in that. Let him run it up the gut. They're not, they're not stopping him. Yeah, there's been, there's been talks of Olu Fashano getting in the in the tee formation. I, I've heard whispers. I don't know. Jerry, you got anybody? Uh, I say Hunter. I want to see what Hunter Selly look like. A Hunter Selly? Yeah. I say Hunter. Okay. I say Zane. I'm, I want to see Zane Selly. If he get in his end zone, scoop and score. I, I do want to ask this because we do have our guy Zane Duran in the house. And we talked about this in the last episode. This whole Florida lingo thing. These guys, they dance. Jits get to twerking, whatever that means. Still haven't figured that out. Have you guys been able to start deciphering what these Florida guys mean in the locker room? Yeah, you know, that's my roommate. So, like, people, they like, oh, man, I can't understand what Zane talking about. But, like, I hear him clearly. You know, like most people around the locker room, like, oh man, I don't understand nothing he's talking about. Nick Dawkins usually that, says that a lot. He started talking like him. He, he sounds like he's from Florida now. He's been living with him so long. <laughs> so the thing with with learning with Zane, Zane actually inspired me to go back in history. I think with a lot of modern solutions, you can find um, the answers deeper in history. So I actually, I'm in a hieroglyphics class right now. I'm learning, trying to decipher ancient code and arithmetic to understand what he what he be talking about sometimes. So. I mean, I'm working on that. Hopefully, by the end of the season, this semester, we'll get to a solid conclusion, and maybe I'll be able to translate. Nick Dawkins. <laughs> Nick Dawkins is literally the king of side quests, from making music to creative videos on his private snaps. So, I mean, this kid is a creative extraordinaire over here. He's special. Film and what you put on it, what you don't put on it, at a certain point, can be very strategic. Um, going into a game like Ohio State and Michigan, there are things that you'll call that you know you're not going to call against Ohio State. But you want them to start prepping for it and practice and wasting time getting ready for it, right? There's definitely some chess matches going on there if you guys want to speak to that too. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality of college football and really the NFL too, every team has basically a similar like playbook. All the plays can be categorized into similar things like who runs cram zone, who runs outside zone, who runs. It's all the same thing in reality. Maybe they do a couple of things that are different, but most teams, especially in the Big Ten, like you don't really have to change your whole playbook for a certain team because you can only run so many different plays in football. You know what I mean? You can't change. You can't invent a new whole system, not in this day and age. Let's talk about that T formation because that thing, when I see it come out, is it literally at 100% success rate still? Mm. Have you guys gotten stopped in that yet? The Illinois game was probably the one time we've been stopped this year. The one time. When you guys run out as an offense, is there a different level of confidence that you guys have when you call that play? Yeah, we just we have a ton of confidence. I think that's like a mentality thing for us. Like we, we get out in that formation and it's all about just 
you know, imposing your will on the guy across from you. I think that's something that comes across the line from the O-line, the tight ends, the running backs. Um, and we have a lot of fun with it. You know, whenever that formation gets called, we're hype, we're juiced. Drew's, Drew's yelling at us that we're going to punch it in. So um, it's a lot of fun for us. We take a lot of pride in that formation. Um, and, and there's just so much stuff that we're, we're starting to do out of that formation as well. You mentioned Drew, Drew Aller in the huddle or wherever you guys are at, the timeouts where he's yelling and he's getting guys juiced up. I have met Drew. I don't know him as well as you guys as his teammates. He's a very quiet kid for what it sounds like. When Drew Aller is trying to get you juiced up, what is that like? I've, I've never heard Drew trying to – well, I'm not in the huddle for, for when they go out in that formation. So he probably is a little bit different when when he's about to be the one running it in, uh, QB sneaking it. But, yeah, Drew's very laid back. But he, he has a different different type of leadership that he, he applies. So. Yeah, I think with Drew, you know, kind of like uh, Caden mentioned, like he's not a guy that – um, he's not out there very much. He's, he's a little reserved. But I think the big thing with him is, is when he does speak up and does say something, everybody has a lot of respect for him. So we're in that T formation. It's fourth and one, and he's yelling at us, like, we're going to punch this in. We're going to get this. Like, let's everybody drive off the, the damn ball. Like, everyone listens. Everyone respects him, and, and it gets us going a little bit. So I think that he's very calculated when he decides to speak up. He doesn't do it a ton. Um, but in situations like that, we all have a tremendous respect for him. Theo, question for you, you know, you have Drew in the huddle, you have Nick Dawkins in the huddle. You know, when it comes to punt versus offense, who do you think is a more commanding force giving the cadence, whether it be shield or whether it be offense? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, there's something different about that shield back there, man. I don't, I don't know. I think Drew does a good job, but when Nick Dawkins get that call, easy, easy. <laughs> I think it's, it's just something different about it. I don't know. For those who don't know, next time you're watching a Penn State game and we punt the ball, look for the three back, the shield, that's Tyler Warren, that's me, that's Theo, that's the shield. We're the personal protectors of our boy Riley Thompson, who's in the house too, our Aussie friend. Um, but that's a, that's a different mentality back there, man. That's when you know war is about to happen. You got your, They got their trained dogs trying to jump over us, run through us, kick us, I don't know, all kinds of crazy things. And we're back there protecting Riley. That's, that's a mentality change. Just peep that next game. I want to segue into a little shield moment that I had. This moment actually was the it was the deciding factor in me being done playing football. Like that wow. moment happened. I got in my car after practice. I drove home listening to Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. And I decided that night I was going to retire. I'm on shield. It's supposed to be a walkthrough period. It's late in the season. We had a kid here named Jamari Button. Okay, oh, Jamari Button flew through the A-gap. I'm thinking he's going to slow down, hold up. Jamari Button put his helmet in my chest and put me on my back, and Coach Howe looked at me and said, that's embarrassing, and walked away, and it ruined. I'm, I'll tell you, that was the end of my football wow. career, that moment right there. Punch you. And I think you were hurt that day. That's why I had to do it. Yeah. Yeah, thanks yeah, for that's that. How it, goes, it means man. a lot to me that you did that. <laughs> um, back to the crowd here. Any questions? Um, my question is, who is the most underrated player on the defense, and why is it Johnny Nixon? <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about Johnny? Uh, yeah, John. I don't know why people overlook Johnny. Every everything I see on the internet, I never see his name. But um, going to, our receivers going against him every day, we know what he can do and the type of player he is. And I I know he knows that he's he's one of the most confident players on our team. 
he let he lets everybody hear it at practice. Mm. So I really don't think that that gets to him at all. He is who he is, and he's not going to change just because people don't view him as whatever they want to view him. Mm-hmm. You talk about underrated guys in that defense. There's a bunch of them. You look just in the secondary alone. Zaki Wheatley is an NFL safety. Keaton Ellis is an NFL Cam safety. Miller. Cam Miller, Kevin Winston. You look at the defensive line, the two deep, from Amin Vanover to, to Smith Vilber when he's healthy. All these guys, Kazai Izzard. It's NFL talent, top to bottom on that defense, too deep, 100%. Are there any other guys you think are super underrated that aren't getting talked about enough? Young young guy, Jameel Lyons is crazy. Jameel Lyons. He's crazy. What is it that makes Jameel Lyons special? Because I keep hearing his name. Mentality. Yeah. Bro, you can say, yeah, I want to go Jerry, out there. Jerry, Jerry Yeah, Jerry, head talk butter, about that. Head butter, bro. Like, he likes a head butter. But he, he looks great. He's a great athlete, bro. I'm not going to lie. He wants to hurt people. Yeah. People go on the field they, to play football. He's out there to hurt people, which, yeah. you know, is a good trait. You want that guy on your team. But, you know, you don't like to practice against that guy sometimes. Yeah. But he's out there to inflict damage on people. 100%. Anything else from the audience here? Do we have any future media goals? Future media goals? Oh, man, that's a good question, B-Bell. Start with the comm major. We got a comm major. Why don't you talk to us nah, about your goals? I, I think I might have to change my major. Like, this this is a little much for me. <laughs> this is his first real rep doing any media at all, and he's no. talking about being done. He's doing a great no. job. Anyway, um, as far as media goals, great question, B-Bell. First of all, we want to make the Lions Den the exclusive home for player-led content uh, at, at State Media with Adam Brenneman and his crew. It's been a ton of fun. Uh, I was a broadcast student. My daddy was a broadcaster. My uncle's a broadcaster. So this is... Uh, Right in my wheelhouse. I have pictures at nine years old sitting in Fox Sports Studios with the headsets on. Um, this was always, this was a part of the plan for sure, man. Yeah, I actually, I'm, so I'm graduating this semester early and I'm, I'm getting a, a bachelor's, a second degree in telecommunications. I think just being able to do this podcast and uh, more, like just more goals in the media and everything like that really shaped me into not wanting to pursue that in the future too. So whatever that might entail, I think really I want to have like my own like late night talk show. I'm trying to give stuff away like like Ellen did and stuff like, like Oprah. I'm trying to give stuff away. I'm trying to give away free cars and all that stuff. You know, I don't know how I'll bounce that with protecting the city or wherever I'll be at and all that. But Protecting the city. What do you mean by that? Batman. Look. Elaborate. I'm not going to elaborate on it too, too further, but all the people here, um, if you reside in State College or you're here right now, I want you to notice how there haven't been any sirens, police sirens. I want you to notice how you've been safe in this, in this facility. Um, and I'll just say that work is done in the dark. That work is done in the dark. Whatever that means. <laughs> that, work, that work is done while you're sleeping. Someone, some fierce, some strong-willed, light-skinned Batman of some sort is out there protecting the city consistently. It's, you know, I'll say this because I'm tired of this Batman rhetoric that you're pushing. Nick Dawkins didn't find his voice until P.J. Musfer went to the Denver Broncos. He's now feeling much more courageous and open to speak about I heard about those those confrontations between those two. I'll just say Nick Dawkins was more like a like the penguin or a, a Robin in that household. It was PJ Musfer. I'm not going to let him get that off because I tweeted at him called him the penguin. He wanted to try to use that. I know he's a hawk, he's a bird, whatever he'll fight his bird to call him. But look, I'm not letting him get that off. I'm not and I'm not going with that either that I lost my voice. Doc's always had a voice in the, in the program. Let me just say that. Whether it be through media, propaganda, whether it be however I had a st- uh, strategy to get my voice out there, my voice has always been out there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I'm Batman. 
Someone out, someone out there is Batman knowing that he looks like me a little bit. Did you, did you get your cape yet? Hmm? You get your cape yet? I, no, I don't, I'm not Batman. They don't make it in the size. He can't get it. He can't get that cape yet. I want to ask you guys, we haven't talked about two of the biggest portions of Penn State's team, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. We'll throw Trey Potts in there. He seems to continuously find the end zone. What have you guys seen from that running back room collectively that's allowed them to be so successful? Um, but just things like protections and, and uh, when to make the right cuts. Um, I think they've definitely grown tremendously from, from last year. Um, continue to be a force for our team and uh, you know, making the tough plays that we need them to. I think they've been huge for us, and it's just exciting because they're still so young and they have so much room to improve. Um, so they're going to be really great for us. And we got Trey Possis, um this last offseason. Uh, he's been really great for us, really good at uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, hasn't been able to uh, show that as much other than Northwestern game. Um, but he's been a great addition. You know, he's a guy that he's an older guy, so he kind of knows, you know, his role, his process and stuff like that. And he does a lot of great things for us. So we have a tremendous running back room and, and they're doing a lot of great things for us. Yeah, I'm going to put my guy on the spot before we close this. I got PSU Dylan in the house, who is literally probably more popular than any of us in Penn State football. Do you have any questions for these guys today, right now? Okay, why are my jeans so tight? Why did you steal my haircut, PSU Dylan? It's okay. We'll let that slide today. <laughs> um, I do want to ask you. You're letting a lot of stuff slide. I listen, There's man. This is what happens. Slide. You know, a year ago, none of these conversations happened. You know what I'm saying? And people have gotten confident with time because I've allowed them for so long to grow into their fullest it's, it's version. It's going to get worse so, if you keep letting it slide. It's just though. a matter of time, Theo Johnson. It's a matter of time. These teams are tight, though. They are, man. They are. Tighten the calves. <laughs> anyway, um, I do want to ask. Ty Howe, this is an important question to me because he's a guy who came internally. He played at Penn State football, was a GA, and then went right into a tight end spot, a tight end position as the, the full-time position coach and made that transition smoothly. Uh, Pat Fryer with Brent Strange, you and Tyler Warren. How has he been as, a head co- as, a, as the head coach of the tight ends, and where do you see him continue to develop as still a young guy? Yeah, you know, Ty's my guy. Um, I talked about it last time I was on with y'all. Um, you know, I worked a lot with him when I was when I was a freshman. He was just an analyst, um, built a really great relationship with him. And, and it was a really, really good transition into him being my coach. He's super eager. He works, I'd, I'd say, harder than anybody else on the staff. The guy's in there late, sacrifices a lot of his time. Um, but he, he, he gets us really prepared. Uh, he left. He leaves no stone unturned. Um, and, and he earns everything that he's gotten, and he does a really great job for us. Um, and he's a great leader for the tight end room. And then, Caden, Coach Hagan's coming in. Um, how has he been in the, in the wide receiver room? Uh, he's been good. He he changed our mind, changed our mindset. Um, he's a lot more intentional about what he does. He hates to let people down. That's one of the things that he's told us ever since he got here. So. Um, his biggest fear is letting Coach Franklin down. He tells us that every day. So we, we, we do our best to, to make him look good. And, um, yeah, just that mindset he, he brings every day, is, he's been good for us. Appreciate everybody listening. Stay in tune with the Lions Den. This audience has been unbelievable. It's been a pleasure to be up here, man. Stay tuned for future episodes, man. We got more coming down the pipe. Appreciate you guys, man. Yeah, thank you for sure. Appreciate it.